Why don't you guys join me in prayer? Jesus, in this place, we will stand and declare who you are. We remember who you are, Lord. We came to remember who you are. We came to, we came to recognize and recall and remember that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, you have full authority. You have all authority in your sovereignty, Lord. We tremble in your presence. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It is our privilege to know you, Lord, and it is our privilege and our honor that you would even call us your friends, even at one time your brothers and sisters, Lord, that you allow us to share. We have an inheritance waiting for us in heaven, Lord. And yet we tremble at the thought of who you are. Jesus, you are almighty. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be a people that would be worthy of being able to actually say that our gates, as it were, have been opened and our doors have been opened to receive what you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that this morning as we gather right here and just consider what your word has to say, Lord, could the doors of our hearts be opened that we would not rebel or push back against your word, but that we would receive it and even celebrate your word. Come, Holy Spirit, and shake us this morning. Amen. So this morning, I want to give you a little side note. This has nothing to do with the sermon. And, uh, but the last couple of weeks, there's been a bulletin board here, and some of you have been putting prayers on there for your pastor. And um, this week, I've been reading some of those, and I absolutely love them. And I want to share with you a little bit about one of my prayer times that came, or that... Uh, I want to share with you one of my prayer times in response to some of those prayers. As I was reading some of those, some of them were so precious to me that actually on more than one occasion, I've I've, uh, usually grab a few a day and read through them, and I haven't even made my way through all of them yet, but on more than one occasion during the week, it has happened to me that I started crying as I read your very generous words, and I just love those prayers. And I asked the Lord during that time once, I said, Lord... How can I repay these prayers? And in a very short time, it seemed like a distinct thought was planted in my mind, and he said, Delan, you can't. Lead them to me, and I will. And I thought, that is exactly along the line of what Jesus told the Apostle Peter when he told Peter, you go feed my sheep. And so I feel like the Lord is telling me to go feed his sheep. But here's what I know about sheep feeding sheep. <laughs> the sheep can't have a round bale on his back because sheep weren't made, sheeps, whatever, weren't made to carry round bales. The sheep isn't able to carry a lot of feed. That's not how sheep work. And there's a description in the Old Testament in Isaiah 50 verse 7 There's a four-word description of the Lord. It says, the Lord, their pasture. The Lord, their pasture. And that's exactly it. And so if you understand that concept, and just so you know, a pasture isn't the only sheep feeding other sheep. If you're a sheep and you know anybody who else is also a sheep, you also have a responsibility to feed other sheep. The secret isn't to think that you have to somehow be burdened or feel pressure that you have to carry a lot of hay on your back. All you have to know is where the source is. You just have to lead the other sheep to the pasture. And so you just take your little sheep nose and you nudge the gate open and you say, come follow me. That has nothing to do with the sermon. That was just for free. (laughs) 
Today, <laughs> today, remember, so if you've, been, if you've been in Panty Chapel for a while, you know that we are facing forward, and my eyes are still fixed on January, the discipleship opportunity we have coming in our church, and those good things. And from now till, from now till Christmas, as we think about Christmas is coming soon, and uh, each one of the sermons that I get to preach, I'm going to connect part of the sermon to one of the characters in the Christmas story. And as we go through the sermon, you can, uh, you can try and figure out, maybe even before I tell you, which character it's going to be. Maybe that'll... Oh, man, I always have to... St- if I ever stop in mid-sentence, you know what's happening? It's like the Lord just pressed the mute button, and so I've I got to be careful sometimes what I say. <laughs> Today's message is going to be targeted towards people that are carrying a burden. I've been thinking about the people that are, are, are carrying a weight on their shoulders. Maybe, maybe that describes you. Today's message would be targeted to people who actually need something from the Lord. Maybe that's something that's woken up in you that you have not recognized before. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've just kind of been coasting along and just feel eh, apathetic. But today will be a message specifically for those who have a burning desire for God to do a supernatural work in their lives. And so that's why this title of this, of this message is Hungry. But I didn't put any, any punctuation at the end of it. Because for some people, you would put an exclamation mark behind that because you would say, yes, I am hungry. That is actually a descriptor of who I am. I am hungry and have a desire for God to do something in my life. And for others... There might just be a question mark behind there. But today I would like to specifically talk to those people who might feel like you're in a dark place. Maybe, maybe it feels like you have been under a cloud. And it actually, you can almost feel the darkness. And you would just like... Your, your prayers, if you would let yourself be honest, would kind of be, Lord, could you just let it be cheery for a change? It feels heavy and dark. And you might say, I'm sick of the darkness, and I'm sick of the gloom. You know what God's Word says? God's Word says, your light will break forth like the dawn. Your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. Those are promises from God. Do you need healing? Do you ever wish that you could hear these words from the Lord? Do you ever wish that you, could, you would hear the Lord say, your healing will quickly appear? But do you know that the Lord actually does say that? We're reading right out of His Word. He promises that His healing will quickly appear. Or maybe, are you one of these Christians that you've been working on what we would describe as putting on the new you? You've been working on growing in godly character. You've been trying. And yet it feels like even though you're doing those things, there's other heaviness in your life and you sometimes wonder, is it worth it? And if you, you, if you were honest with the Lord, you might even ask God, Lord, I'm trying to grow in you. Why? Are all these other things still happening in my life? Did we begin to doubt God's character? 
Do you know what righteousness in your life is like? It's like the, you know one of those ships that has the reinforced hull so that I can smash through the ice? That's what your righteousness actually does. Look at what God's Word says. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. When we are facing forward as a church and we are heading in this direction, do you know why that's incredibly important? Because we're vulnerable from attacks from the enemy. And the Lord actually promises to protect us. And He promises that our righteousness is going ahead of us. Do you guys hear it? It's a precious promise from the Lord. Maybe there's someone here who's waiting for their prayer to be answered. Maybe it feels like you've been asking the Lord for an answer to prayer. You've been pleading with Him about something, and it seems to you like it's taken too long for Him to answer. Or He's not giving you the answer you would like. And you might even feel, Lord, it's not fair it's because it's even an unselfish prayer. Why don't you answer it? You know what the Lord says? He gives a promise in His Word. He says, you will call and the Lord will answer. It's His promise. Do you ever have a hunger for the Lord just to show Himself? You ever have that desire? You just wish, Lord, your prayers might be, Lord, just, could you just show me that you're with me? You don't even have to do anything for me. You don't have to take care of my problem. Just show me that you're with me. You know what the Lord says? He's going to do exactly that. You will cry for help, and He will say, here am I. Do you ever have any decisions to make? We have a lot of decisions to make. You might be wondering what car to buy, where to buy it. You might be wondering where to live, which house to buy, what career you're going to take. You might be wondering which boy to date, which girl to marry. You might be wondering where God's calling you in your life. You probably have a few decisions to make. Or maybe you're leading a small group in the church and you're wondering what to teach. You want to spend some time memorizing scripture and you want to know where you should start. You want to reach out to people for the Lord, and you're just not sure who. You know what the Lord says? He says, it says in this, in God's Word, the Lord will guide you always. Is that a precious promise? Is that a precious promise, church? Our response to a promise like that should be wholehearted if we believe it's true. If we don't believe it's true, the problem isn't with the Lord, it's with me. Do you ever feel spiritually dry? Can you raise your hand if you feel spiritually dry or ever have felt spiritually dry? If I had a third hand, I probably would raise a third hand. Because sometimes I have felt spiritually dry. If you would imagine a landscape and describe, sometimes it feels like all the cold orange, the cold red, the cold whatever, people are going to panic and pink and whatever else. It feels sometimes like all of that heaviness kind of sucks the life out of people. You ever feel like that? And you feel a little bit dry? Your, your spiritual life, your, your whole life maybe, should be, if you were going to take a snapshot of a 
piece of scenery should be like a tropical forest where there's green leaves and there's lush plants there and fruit and life and oxygen. That's what it should be. But then sometimes it actually feels like it's a bit more of a desert where it seems like the sun never stops beating down on just miles and miles of dust. You know what God's Word says? He promises that He will satisfy your needs even in a sun-scorched land. Or maybe you would feel like what I would describe as hollow. You're able to go through the motions. Your frame, your body is able to go through the motions. You're going to get up. You're going to go make supper. You're going to make lunch. You're going to get the family fed. You're going to go to work tomorrow. You're going to do these things. You're going to clean the house. You're going to take care of whatever else you need to take care of. You're going to work. You're going to provide for your family. You're going to do all those things. But inside your frame, it's empty because you actually feel weak. You're simply going through the motions. You know what God's Word says? He promises that He will strengthen your frame. Play along with me here for a second. Close your eyes, and I want you to imagine a garden. Now I'm going to stretch you a little bit, and I want to imagine or you to imagine two gardens side by side. One of those gardens gets watered the perfect amount every day. And one of those gardens has not seen water since spring. And it's time for harvest. If one of those gardens was supposed to describe your spiritual life, which one would you want it to be? The one that's lush, green, and the fruit is so abundant that if you don't pick it soon, it's going to fall onto the ground? Or the one that is so dry that even the weeds are turning brown? You know what God's Word, you can open your eyes and read this with me. You know what God's Word says? He says, you will be like a well-watered garden. Or imagine this. Have you ever imagined if you live in the country, in the country people have wells. You actually have one in town too, but everybody shares it. But anyway, you have a well, and that well is drilled deep into the ground. Plastic pipe is found some water down there. You throw a pump down there, and you draw that water out. And if you have an artesian well, the water actually flows out. You wouldn't even need the pump because it just flows out. If you would imagine that that well was on the middle of your lawn and the water was always spilling out of that well, what happens to the grass around the well? That is the greenest, most quickly growing grass on your lawn. You might be able to get away with mowing your lawn once a week everywhere else. You're going to have to mow the lawn like three times a week if you want to keep up with it growing there because it's lush. That well actually affects not just the well, it spills over. You could have the same pipe in the ground, but if it's dry, even though there's a pump in there, and it's (laughs) hooked up to electricity, nothing's happening. 
you and I have the opportunity to be a burden-carrying person, a Christian, who is able to carry other people's burdens and able to influence lives all around us if we are plugged in and that source is overflowing. And you know what God's Word says? Look at what He promises. He says, you will be like a spring whose waters never fail. That spring affects other people. There's a never-ending source there. And you can, you will be like that spring. Have you ever looked at the spiritual life, the spiritual house, as it were, of... I'll be generous to start. North America. And just gone, it seems a little bit like the spiritual house might be a little dilapidated. Maybe it needs a little repair. Maybe the, maybe the church has started wandering off, the spiritual house has started leaving some of the ancient paths. What about the church in Canada? What about the church supposed to be thriving Bible Belt, southeastern Manitoba? What about Pansy Chapel? You know what the Lord says? If you recognize that, you, maybe even just in your personal life, if you recognize that the church or you has ever been or is in a state where it is not what it should be, you know what the, God's Word says? Your people, look at what He says. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. Do you understand the spiritual metaphor to that? You will be a rebuilder of the ancient ruins. And will raise up the age-old foundations. That is a promise in Scripture. Would you like to be known as the person who had something to do with that? God's Word actually tells us what we would have to do in order to do that. Look at the next word. You can actually be called... The next verse <laughs> says, You will be called repairer of broken walls. Restorer of streets with dwellings. It's a promise from God, not a maybe. I don't know if I'm going to be good. Lord, God says you will be. And if you're one of His kids, you're qualified to be that person. These are all promises of God. Amen? Do we doubt the promises of God? I'm not sure if I want to hear the answer. We shouldn't doubt the promises of God. If we have a problem with any of those promises that we just read, if we can't give a hearty amen and say, thank you, Lord, that you promised that I can be like that, the problem isn't with God, it's with me. But you might be wondering, well, are there any requirements for those promises? Are they conditional? Let's keep reading in that passage. Is not this the kind of fasting? <laughs> you, guys, you guys said that well. Fasting. Oh, great. You're thinking, oh, great, here's the catch. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, the Lord says? And you might think, oh, great. It's not a catch. It's a question. 
It's a question of how hungry we are. Are you hungry enough to want to see the Lord do something supernatural in your life that you are so hungry you would like to see one of those promises fulfilled in your life that God promises these will happen? Are you that hungry? Are you hungry for what God wants or are you only hungry for what you want? I want to explain a little bit. Fasting is not a magic formula. And it's not a formula that we get to apply to serve our own purposes. Fasting essentially is this. It's voluntary weakness so that God's power instead of mine will influence my life. It's a spiritual weapon. If, if you are somebody who fasts just to check the box and say, yep, did it, it's useless. If you are somebody who only fasts for physical benefits, it is virtually useless. But if done with the correct heart attitude that God makes so clear, it is a spiritual weapon that can decimate the enemy's strongholds. The question is, are you hungry enough? The New Testament church fasted, by the way. Jesus fasted. Jesus also assumed that we would fast Two times in Matthew 6, for instance, he says, when you fast, this is how you do it. And then when you fast, this again, this is also how you should do it. Another time, a couple, that's in Matthew 6. In Matthew 9, somebody pointed out and they said, hey, Jesus, your, your disciples aren't fasting. And he said, I know, but when I leave, then they will fast. That's the same era we are in. Or you might remember the Christmas story. of prophet Anna, who came up to Jesus when he was eight days old. And he came up to Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, and she, it is not a coincidence that she prophetically knew about who that eight-day-old baby was. It's not a coincidence that she was fasting and praying every day in the temple. But we're not talking about just any kind of fasting. We're talking about a certain kind of fasting. This is how it's described. It's the kind of fasting that you would do to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and even break every yoke. Do you see any injustice in the world? Do you see any injustice in the world? I'm not talking about whether or not you should wear a mask. I'm talking about things like this. Children who grow up in this world who don't have parents. And those children don't even have food. And if somebody doesn't tell them about Jesus, they don't even have any hope. That's injustice. If you want to fast according to how God would have you fast, maybe fast for them. Or fast for the people who are reaching them that they would have the power and resources to make it happen. 
Ask the Lord, is there something that I can do for them? That's the kind of fasting that the Lord has chosen. Maybe there's a cord that you can untie. And those cords of that yoke that is wrapped around their necks sometimes has some practical things that we can do. I'm just giving out a few examples, but you could buy somebody groceries. Last time I checked, kids like to eat. And do you know this is an awesome way to fast? I'm going to tell you some very simple fasting math, okay? If you would fast from lunch, and if you were going to eat lunch at a cheap restaurant, and it was going to cost you $15, and you fast from lunch, and by the way, there's many ways to fast. Fasting from food is a very powerful way of one of them, okay? But if you fast from lunch, you could now give your $15 to somebody and it didn't even cost you anything. I went to school in Grunthal, and I can do that much math. That's fasting math. You could even top that up a little. Because you know what kind of fasting God has chosen? He specifically says, to share your food with the hungry. Spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry. You know what else you could do? You could even do something as wild as this. You could, if you know a family who has children and you would like to bless their marriage and maybe even fast for marriages who are under attack, in case you haven't realized, you could call them up and ask and offer, listen, I'll watch your kids for the entire weekend so you guys can go on a, a two or three day date. That's the kind of fasting that God has chosen. You could even offer to pay for their hotel. That's the kind of fasting that God has chosen. He says it right in that same passage. Look at what he says. He says, provide the poor wanderer with shelter. You know what else you could do? You could go up to a homeless person on the street. And you could say, hey, why don't you come with me over here to the day's end? And you could just go with them as far as the front counter. And after you've paid for a few nights for them, you would have been doing the kind of fasting that God has chosen. Or maybe you just want to make a donation to somebody like Union Gospel Mission who is doing this all the time. The kind of fasting God has chosen is this. When you see the naked to clothe them. You know what else you could do? You could go to your favorite clothing store Buy a gift card that is worth enough for several outfits and you could give it to somebody who you know doesn't have the means to do that themselves. And you know what is an already going to happen the moment as you walk over to give them that card? You have the opportunity to say something true which would be along the lines of, do you know what? This is a really small token of what Jesus did for me. He gave me the most precious gift he could ever give. This is just a little token. It's also the kind of fasting that God has chosen. The kind of fasting that the Lord has chosen 
is also this, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood and to satisfy the needs of the oppressed. What are we talking about when we say flesh and blood? Don't turn away from who? Your family, people. Don't turn away from your people when you fast. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody in your vicinity, could be your family, your neighbor, your church, wherever, at work, do you know anybody who could possibly, potentially be lonely, sad, discouraged, depressed? On a day of fasting, and I would encourage you to do it in the morning so that you have all day to complete it. It's a lot easier. Ask the Lord who He would like you to not turn away from. Ask Him who you, He would like you to satisfy their needs. And then you can ask Him how you could do that. Do you realize how creative the Lord is? Have you ever opened your eyes outside? The Lord is incredibly creative and that same creative God who has made so many amazing things that science still can't figure out the end of it, to the small things or the big things, we still can't figure it out. That same God will give you a strategy when you ask Him, Lord, how can I set the oppressed free today? He will give you a strategy. He's very creative. You might be able to buy somebody a pizza. You might be able to pay their rent bill. You might be able to pay for their hydro bill. You might even be able to go to the end of their driveway at night, hammer a stake into the ground with a sign on it that says, I'm praying for you today, so that the next morning when they go to work, they're going to see that sign. That won't even cost you anything. Do you think it has the potential to set them free if they are under oppression of sadness? Do you think it has that potential? The Lord can give you ideas. You just have to ask Him how. And you know what else is going to happen? If you start fasting like that, you're going to realize that fasting is fun. And you probably never put those two words in the same sentence. Fasting and fun. Ask the Lord who He wants you to set the oppressed free. You don't even have to tell Him it's you. You can do it anonymously. I promise you, you will increase joy in your life if you fast like that. And maybe you can fast and start untying the yoke of people who just simply haven't heard about Jesus yet. Maybe you could start fasting and praying for them. And if you want to fast in the way that the Lord has chosen, you know what else we'll do? We will do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Malicious talk is the kind of talk that is intended for harm. It's intended to hurt a little. The kind of fasting that God desires would do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Can you imagine a world in which the politicians would do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk? What would they debate about? It's not actually a slight. I'm curious. 
Wouldn't that be awesome? If the news broadcaster would do away with the, with, the, with the pointing finger and do away with the malicious talk, would it change the story? If on your social media feed you would do away with the pointing finger and malicious talk, would it change the way that you see life? If families would start doing away with the pointing finger and malicious talk, would it prevent hurt feelings and slamming doors? If Pansy Chapel would do away with pointing fingers and malicious talk, would it change the church? If you did away with the pointing finger and malicious talk, would it change the atmosphere in your home? That is the kind of fasting that God has chosen. If fasting is something new to you, I'm going to send an email out to the church with a simple document on it that would have some scriptures you could research and a little bit of, it would give you some, uh, maybe some ideas about fasting and different ways to, to handle that. But here's my question. Are you hungry enough to use the spiritual weapon of fasting? If not, you should pray for the desire. And I know what you might be thinking. What? <laughs> There's a reason I don't want to pray for the desire. It's because I don't like fasting. I get that. But I think that we need to be careful that we don't start calling into question God's character. It's God who said, these kinds of things come when you fast in this way. I think we have to be careful that we don't, because we don't like fasting, begin to think that there's something wrong with God. And if you do fast, then you're already one of these people that is fasting. Are you fasting in the way with the kind of fasting that God has chosen? These scriptures, the promises that I just read, and the, the conditions that we just cited here, they're all out of one passage of scripture. And we're going to read it. It's Isaiah 58, verse 6 to 12. But in the first five verses of that chapter... If you would read it in context, you'll realize that those people were already fasting. But during their fasting, they got a heavy rebuke from the Lord. Because during their fasting, although they tried to look the part and they showed everybody that they're fasting, they were arguing, they were fighting, and they were thinking only about themselves. And then in verse 6, I'm just going to read this passage, and that's it. We're going to close with a song. This is how it reads. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry 
and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And when you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Jesus, could you just come and align our hearts with yours? Lord, could you align my heart with yours so that I would begin to want the same things that you want? Lord, could you help my heart to be lined up with, with the needs that you see around me so that I would see the same needs that you see? And the, and the injustices that I see would be the same things that you would call an injustice. Lord, could you line up my mind and my heart with the way that you think and the way that you feel? And Lord, if I'm one of those people who has pushed back against the spiritual weapons that you've given us, could you just show me the next step that I should take? Thank you, Jesus.